Hey there, my name is Oshin Lunny and this is Audio Matters, a weekly podcast on all things audio presented to you by Harman, proud supporters of Make Music Day. Now, this week's episode is appropriately all about Make Music Day and the importance of music education and also the profound value of the creative industries in our lives. I'm delighted to be joined by two of the leading lights of Make Music Day, the president of the Make Music Alliance, Aaron Friedman, and the executive director of the Grammy Music Education Coalition, Lee Whitmore. Welcome to the podcast. So Aaron, let's start at the beginning. Talk to us a bit about Make Music Day. What is it and where did it come from? Um, Make Music Day is is essentially a holiday uh, for music making. Um, it's something that's been going on in France since 1982, uh, when it began as a government initiative, actually, uh, of the new um, Mitterrand administration, um, trying to do something to encourage um, basically everyone to come out and, and explore their creative side and, and play music. Um, and in the decades since, it's really traveled around the world. It's now being observed in 120 countries, over a thousand cities. Um, and um, it's, it's a very simple idea. It's just that, um, you know, so many people have a, have a song in their heart and no real place to, uh, to sing it and be appreciated and, and, and for this event, it's it's sort of a one one day um, invitation for people to come outside their homes and sing on the streets, sing in parks, join in jam sessions, uh, record music, do do anything musical, and and know that uh, the rest of the world is doing it right there with them. I love that image of everyone finding the song in their heart, and this is really a global expression of of uh, what music means to all of us. So how does the Make Music Alliance work with collaborative agencies like the Grammy Music Education Coalition and the National Association of Music Merchants? Yeah, well, um, when, when this event began in France, where it's called the Fête de la Musique, um, it was something that had started with the with the Ministry of Culture, with the federal government. It was quickly embraced by pretty much the whole country because uh, this was the one day when you could come outside and play music and no one would have to ask for permission. You wouldn't have to be a certain age or a certain level of professionalism. Everyone was invited. And um, people just thought it was so joyous to take over the streets with music all around the country. Um, at this point, it's about 7% of the population in France that actually comes out and plays music on that day. So millions of people. Um, in other countries, things have not worked quite the same way. Um, there's not a kind of national uh, push for the event. It's really something that's grown in a more localized grassroots way. So there are um, individual cities and government agencies and nonprofit organizations and networks and uh, companies that have all gotten involved to try to spread this, um, you know, in their hometowns, in their uh, in their countries. Um, so really to, to grow this event and to make it into a true holiday outside of France has required all of these partnerships and, and relationships with, uh, with some really fantastic organizations that believe in the power of music and, and want to see this grow. Fantastic. And um, you have a really exciting Make Music Day lined up this year, this month, actually. Uh, but it's going to be virtual for the first ever time. So what's in store this year? Well, yeah, this year is is so unusual and uh, challenging for, I mean, for people around the world, honestly. And our whole message has been 
you know, Make Music Day is a time to connect to other people, to form communities, to share your music, to listen to other music, to make connections across cultures. And it's so different when you can't go out in public and, and wander around and, and discover bands just on the street or, or individuals playing music uh, in a park. So we have um, over a dozen initiatives that um, allow people to collaborate with each other uh, on June 21st using different kinds of, of technology and, and um, different concepts. Um, some people are going to be uh, joining a uh, track meet, which is a kind of relay race where one person will um, lay down a, a, a track in a digital audio workstation and then pass the baton to someone else across the country or around the world who can then add a second track and, and the whole thing can kind of build up into a full composition. Um, other people are doing bedroom studios where uh, they live stream themselves uh, at, a, at a computer um, creating a track and uh, people around the world uh, send them uh, audio files that they create on the spot to contribute to that to that piece coming together. Um, we also have over 300 uh, free online music lessons from all sorts of teachers of 25 different instruments. So anyone who feels like uh, they always wanted to take a trombone lesson or harmonica or ukulele can uh, can join one of those classes. Um, yeah, well, and then we also have people who are um, forming the world's smallest marching band, which is just an individual person uh, marching down the street playing for people who are indoors or at work or whatever, you know, it's not, it's not meant to build a crowd because of the um, coronavirus concerns, of course, but um, sure. you know, we still want music to be coming out of uh, you know, every, every alleyway that we can find. Um, others are doing window serenades for people in senior centers or who are otherwise stuck at home and, and they can put a sign in the window requesting a song and, and someone will come and, and play for them. So to, to the extent we can still create these individual um, you know, interactions and, and relationships. That's that's really what this is all about. Oh my goodness, that just sounds like so much fun. I mean, uh, all of us here just smiling ear to ear, hearing about all this great stuff. I can think of a bunch of people who are going to get involved, uh, you know, possibly myself included. Um, so anyway, Lee, let's talk a bit about the Grammy Music Education Coalition. It's an incredible organisation, but it'd be great to understand a bit of the background. Why did the Recording Academy and over 70 affiliate organizations create the organization you lead, the Grammy Music Education Coalition? It's a, it's a great question and it's a pleasure to be here today. You know, there's a singular goal in the work that we do at the Grammy Music Education Coalition and it was inspired by leadership from the Recording Academy. Um, it's their inspiration and work that founded us and the singular mission is it's pretty simple, and it really connects to Make Music Day. Um, the conversation that Aaron is rolling out really resonates with me because when we do our work, the Recording Academy, the National Association for Music Merchants, Harmon is a founding um, sponsor of our organization. We all work together toward ensuring that American public school students not only have access to music, but they can make music in school every day. There are 4 million students in the United States that even today don't have access to music education. Three of the 4 million are underserved students, and we're working to take care of that. And when I think about Make Music Day and the work that Aaron and everyone involved is doing, that's what we're about. It's not about creating the next um, 
Grammy nominee or Grammy winner. That just happens as an umbrella of the work, which is life is better in many, many ways for our students, parents, families, and communities if music is in their lives daily and weekly. That's such a, a beautiful mission. It's so nurturing to the world in, a, in the deepest sense. Uh, so you mentioned that Harmon are the um, one of the Coalition Founders Circle members mm-hmm. for the Grammy Music Education Coalition uh, and also people like Disney and Pixar. Could you give us an example of some of the work that's been done there thanks to these sponsors? Certainly. Um, a couple of examples. With Harmon, we've been very happy to uh, work, for instance, in Community School District 5 in New York City, which is in Harlem, uh, along with um, incremental support from the Wells Fargo Foundation, which is very involved in that community and many around the country, to ensure that there's significant programming and some teacher training happening for music educators. Because one of the big challenges we work toward is is helping teachers make sure that they're prepared to have a successful experience that really engages their kids in the classroom. You mentioned Disney and Pixar. In our first year, we're finishing up our third since we were founded. Uh, We worked with Disney and Pixar on the film Coco. Many of you have probably seen and know about this and know some of the music. The Grammy Music Education Coalition delivered the official music education program for elementary, middle, and high school students delivered through teachers with lesson plans for that particular film. It was, uh, the music was terrific. And it was, it's just a one example of the way that we reach out to support music and, and help music be really engaging for kids and community. Oh, fantastic. That's just wonderful work. Uh, it's, it's so uh, heartwarming to, to know it exists and to meet the people behind it. So I believe that you've heard of a, a, a very brilliant academic called Nina Krauss, and she's the director of Northwestern Auditory Neuroscience Laboratory. And uh, according to her, research has found that after two years, children who not only regularly attend music classes, but also actively participated, showed larger improvements in how the brain processes things like speech, and it improved their reading scores compared to their less involved peers. Do you think this side effect, quote unquote, of music gets overlooked in general? I think it's a very important um, point that you bring up. I remember sitting in a room years ago with the, uh, the, the then Quincy Jones Music Consortium and hearing Nina lay out the story. That research is really meaningful. And I know I'm thinking many of us who are listening today um, have had this experience. It's five hours a week or more for two or more sustained years as an adolescent permanently changes the biology of our brains. That's social and emotional outcomes. That's the language center. It helps us be more collaborative. And that's permanent. If it happens during adolescent years, so particularly middle and high school, and the issue there is in our public schools, that's typically when students have to make a choice and they start peeling away from music for other things, um, other arts or other electives. And that's the time that it's most crucial. I know I, I and everybody on my board, and I'm, I'm guessing many of us have all done this, middle school, high school band, jazz band, recording studios, writing songs, all of that cumulative work changes us for the better forever. Yeah, yeah. So uh, TLDR, your brain on music is actually a much better brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, a, what a pleasurable way to get an upgrade. <laughs> Indeed. 
But I think it's quite interesting. This is an open question to, to both of you. Um, just I, I'm going to use an example from the UK because I was based there for quite a while. And uh, I just think there's such a disparity between, you know, as we've heard there, music has an incredible value you know, like a really fundamental value in terms of how your brain works and how you can work with other people and perform. Um, but there's also this kind of fiscal disconnect between the value of the creative industries and um, uh, how they're really seen. So to, to give an example from the UK, the creative industries contributed 111.7 billion to the UK economy in 2018. And so that's 306 million pounds every day of the year. And in the same year, the UK fishing industry landed fish worth 989 million. So the equivalent of a few days of the creative industries, a fraction. But if you look at the threats to the fishing industry and the, you know, the PR around it, people absolutely lose their minds uh, with any perceived threats to the fishing industry. It's seen as a proper industry. It's very photogenic. But the creative industries that make more in a week than the fishing industry does in a year seems somehow frivolous. I think it's funny how, how much of this comes down to um, the attitude of parents, I think, and whether uh, they think an initi- you know, yeah. something is, is a frivolous uh, use of time or something that's a kind of real you know, manly career uh, for someone to, to embark on, like fishing possibly. Um, and yeah, I think, I think people's um, kind of stereotypes of, of how these careers really play out for, uh, for people and, and what impact they have in the world, I mean, they're not really based on reality, um, as, you're, yeah. as you're saying. Um, but it's true when, you know, when it's time to cut um, academic programs, often the arts you know, are the first to go because they're considered to be uh, less serious. But the research uh, points exactly in the opposite direction. And I would support what Aaron mentioned in that I would say, given the challenges that we're going through now worldwide with folks having to teach and learn from home, the stresses around the pandemic, that there couldn't be a more important time to have music be a part of what students are doing in school. And and it's community. I agree with Aaron. It's community, not only parents, but we found in our work that um, our school districts with which we partner, like... um, Philadelphia or Nashville have said to us, help us get the word out because it's parents and communities that don't necessarily understand and school districts aren't professional marketers, um, the value of music and what it means at home and that connects to, you know, is the music programming in a school district relevant? Nashville's the music city. There's lots of singer-songwriters there. So of course, things like having, you know, songwriting as a part of the work that kids are doing students are doing in class draws them in. And another point with the current challenges, we're all looking in with great curiosity. Tax base is reduced in states and communities because of what happens. And I think Aaron's right. Keeping the focus on the fact that music in the lives of our students every day and every week makes things better. We know there's research that shows that students who are engaged in a music program in school attend school more. There's challenges around getting online and doing online schooling. Don't don't take this really important sort of self-care opportunity because music does that, and also the opportunity to attract students when they're sometimes struggling with having to do, um, you know, classes through some sort of like Zoom or uh, Google Meet um, video conference. It's, it's important, and we shouldn't put it to the side. Totally agree. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, these are challenging times. And we've heard on previous episodes of the Audio Matters podcast that, uh, you know, music has a profound role to play in terms of mental health, in terms of a feeling of well-being at home, uh, in terms of surviving these very challenging times. Uh, so I think the, the beneficial factors of music and music education aren't really spoken about enough in general. Uh, I certainly haven't heard many people speak about it in the same way that Zoom, for instance, is spoken or, or various, you know, online conferencing, etc. Um, but it's it's so important. You know, music is really proving to be a, a savior for many people in these lockdown times. Mm. And I think it's going to become more important because we're not out of the, the end of this tunnel just yet in terms of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, I think I think what's really incredible about music is it's it's just so much fun. I mean, if if you have a study that shows that, you know, weightlifting is good for your health or algebra is good for your brain, I mean, people will do it, but no one is just, you know, itching to get back to their algebra. I shouldn't say no one. I mean, but it's it's a it's a smaller <laughs> group of people, a more select group perhaps. Um yeah. I I was teaching um English in France um just uh, 2000 2001. Uh, this is when I first came across the Fête de la Musique actually, Make Music Day. And for all of my kids, I mean, this was the this was the chance they could have a real gig and go out in in public, and it was so motivating for them that that Make Music Day was coming up, and they could be part of this much larger thing that had actually nothing in their minds to do with academics or or the study of music. But it was just you know, there's going to be a huge party on the streets, and we want to be there, and we want to be part of it, and we want to be playing music with everyone else. So um, something about about the idea of you know, inspiring people to to join this really fun activity. It's it's what I think in France has led to so many people picking up an instrument and and practicing, you know, for for months to to be able to do this. Um, so any any opportunities that we that we have to sort of bring music education to a you know larger context out of the classroom, um, I think can really help people um, in the classroom. You know, uh, stay with it and and reap the benefits. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Now, speaking of inspiring people, um, the Grammy Music Education Coalition has an incredible list of ambassadors. I spotted folks like War on Drugs from Philadelphia, Russian-born American singer-songwriter Regina Spector, and Cuban-Chinese-American cellist Sophia Basilar. This is a fantastically diverse list of people from all over the world. Tell us a bit about who the artist ambassadors are and how they support your work. Yeah, we're incredibly grateful. There are more than two dozen signed artist ambassadors, and they carry the the torch for supportive music education in various ways. Of course, it's it's helped to make what their lives are today. And these folks, like Long Long, the Chinese classical pianist, or um, you mentioned Sophia Basilar, who's a wonderful young cellist, 25 years old, touring when we can tour and performing with major, major orchestras. In fact, she's going to live stream her Carnegie Hall debut, which was scheduled. She'll be in the hall at Carnegie by herself, but we'll stream it to all of us. Um, she actually hosts a, a weekly event for us um, at the Grammy Music Education Coalition, at Grammy Music at Instagram um, uh, uh, account. We do a live broadcast with her where she interviews other musicians and talks about what it's like to come up in the field, what are careers that are available, um, it's really wonderful conversations that we have, and, and many of our artist ambassadors get involved in things like that. I'll give you an example. Um, the fantastic uh, modern country singer and multi-instrumentalist um, 
Caroline Jones will be on in a couple of weeks on our live broadcast. She grew up playing music, making music, many careers at SiriusXM and and others. And we'll be able to talk with her with a large group of students about what was that career inspiration? What are the opportunities for careers as a, as a young woman coming up in the um, in the current uh, market and, you know, what, where can you work and um, how can you build your career? Superb. I look forward to diving in there and we'll include a link to uh, your Facebook and Instagram pages in the show notes as well. Um, so uh, Make Music Day, um, as you said earlier, Aaron, it falls on Sunday, June the 21st. Remind us again, how can people get involved? If somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, I'm in, sign me up, how can they get involved? Um, the place to start is probably our website, makemusicday.org. Um, and you can see lots of examples of people in 85 U.S. cities and dozens of countries and what they're doing. Um, but it's it's kind of a personal decision. Some people are going to um, live stream performances from home. Some people are going to uh, take a music class or sing with their kids or do some kind of uh, virtual collaboration. And and really, it's, it's this very open-ended invitation. So no matter what level you are or what kind of music you like or, or what you like to do, um, there's a way to be part of it. I believe um, many celebrities who have an interest in music or their musicians themselves get involved every year. Have you any thoughts about who might be joining in? Um, well, the band Tower of Power is is taking part. Wow. Uh, trumpeter Herb Alpert. Um, lots of lots of people are are joining in. Um, last year we had Yo Yo Ma performing in Chicago, but uh, true to the Make Music Day spirit, he was just um, out on the street with with a bunch of kids and others, and they were playing uh, some Bach pieces together. And it was a very um, you know. Uh, low-key event, I guess. Um, Jonathan Baptiste, a, a pianist um, who's on The Late Show with uh, Stephen Colbert, um, was playing in, in Ridgefield, Connecticut last year outside of a Steinway showroom, and they, they wheeled a piano out in the street for him to play, and that's what he did on Make Music Day. So, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be a big stage with the laser show and fog machines. You know, it's really just a kind of... Uh, way for people to to get together informally and, and share their music with each other. Fantastic. And uh, what will each of you be doing on Make Music Day? Will there be instruments involved? That's a great question. Yeah. Now I'm looking, I, ha- I have a I have a piano, a digital piano right next to me that I often swing the wind- windows open. The community that I live in Boston as the pandemic was started and after we lost the great Bill Withers had a community organized sing in or I should say sing out with the windows open. I, of course, sat at the piano and jumped in and played along. And Aaron gave me a great idea. I'm also my second instrument's of trombone. I think for that, my individual marching band, I'll have to dust off my trombone, pull out the mouthpiece and walk around the park behind my building. Sounds like fun to me. And of course, with the oh, Music it. Education Coalition, we're thanks to support from Harmon, we are able to shout from the treetops about this opportunity through all of our school districts, all the teachers that we work with, and all the families and community members, and say, jump in. Everybody can do this. It's so fun. Fantastic. And how about yourself, Aaron? I play the saxophone, and I think the first couple of years for Make Music Day in New York, when we got started at, here in started in North America, um, I joined performances of Terry Riley's In C uh, wow. in the middle of a street. And um, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing I love more than than going out and playing, you know, as as best or 
poorly as, as it ends up coming out. But this has become such a huge project. And I'm always just worried that, you know, the moment that I start playing, there's going to be, I don't know, some, some Hungarian news team that wants to interview me or <laughs> something to, <laughs> something yeah. to do uh, as part of my real job. So, uh, According to research just conducted by Harmon about the power of music, uh, they found that almost half of people surveyed studied music as a child and almost half of people surveyed actually still play music. So this speaks a bit about the lifelong connection and this love in our hearts that we have for music. It's, it really gives me a lot of hope. But can we encourage even more people to embrace music and actually get the lessons that are available and have this lifelong relationship? We absolutely can. And I think that access to music education uh, has been growing over the decades. We haven't gotten to this the students and communities that perhaps need the support the most. But music supports so many things in our lives, not just academic achievement. You know, in the United States, there's a total of approximately 74 million school-age students between kindergarten um, and high school, so elementary, middle, and secondary. Um, Of the 74, 51 million of those students are public school students, so the rest are private or homeschooled. Of the um, of the students in public school, the fifty one million today four don't four million don't have access, and three of the four million are students that are underserved, um, primarily students of color, and this is a challenge in our society and our culture. But the opportunity that is there to make a difference. This is why the Grammy Music Education Coalition essentially does what it does. Um, What I hear in those participation numbers um, and what I know about what's been happening over the decades is um, in terms of increased participation, legislation at the federal and the state level that has increased requirements for arts and music education, um, both at the federal level and then there have been through the National Association for Music Merchants and other organizations, great lobbying and support that have done because it's the states in the United States that dictate curriculum for their students um, throughout their state, regionally and locally. Um, Student, students who are participating are growing. So when I hear the numbers from that survey, I say, okay, when we ha- if we were to have this conversation in 10 more years, the number of folks that have studied music is going to increase. The number of folks that um, are actively making music for their benefit as a, as a lifelong learner are important or for support and things like that now that are happening with the, the pandemic. Um, I'll, I'll also share with you, there are great resources for our considering how to use music for yourself and, you know, for self-care, how teachers can approach um, incorporating music for them, their self-care, and also for their students. Um, Just a couple of quick resources. The American Association for Music Therapists is one. And then also I've recently quoted the president of the International Integrative Psychotherapy Association, those folks consider, among many things, how to bring sound, music, artwork, and all the creative arts together for healing, support, and self-care. Wow, fantastic. And we will include uh, links to those organizations in the show notes as well. I think it's so important that people um, have access to them and know that they exist. Uh, And speaking of the role of music during the pandemic, in another part of this research that was carried out by Harmon about the power of music, they actually found that 81% of Americans have said that music helped them to cope with the pandemic. And 61% said that watching live streams helped them 
to feel more connected. 39% of all Americans surveyed said that they created a playlist to help them get through the crisis. Um, So what do we think that this survey tells us about the power of music? Should music be declared an emergency service? Oh, I love the idea of having a, a sort of van show up at your doorstep when you when you most need music in your life. Yes, uh, unloading some instruments and you know just just making it all happen. Um, but you know what's what's amazing about music is that it can be done you know with a pair of drumsticks or with your voice or with your computer or with them. I mean, just just whatever you have can become musical, and uh, you know that's 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 the beauty of it. And and I think. You know, I'm sure all of those people surveyed who are playing instruments and enjoying music all have different playlists and they all have different different ways that they want to experience music. And and again, that's that's what's so magical about it. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that these surveys are clarifying a lot of things that maybe instinctually a lot of us know already. Of course, music has an incredible healing power. Of course, it's important for us to turn to uh, in times of, of stress. What surveys have been influential in the formation of Make Music Day. Uh, you know, where do you turn to information and how, how does that kind of help you crystallize your strategy? Um, well, the, the way that Make Music Day first started in France, um, you know, owes a lot to a survey the government conducted of the number of musicians and the number of musical instruments um, that were out there in the country at that time. Um, they, they calculated there were about 4 million instruments in the country and 3 million of them were never played. So it was this huge group of people who had at one point purchased a piano or a guitar or something and and played it, and maybe they played it as a, as a young person. And after that, it was just gathering dust. Um, so the idea that, you know, just by declaring this holiday, people, you know, already had the means to participate in it. They just had to, they had just, just had to be asked, really. Um, at this point, I mean, we're tracking the number of people who, um, register for local Make Music Day events around the world or who use the hashtags or who, um, you know, are, are searching for Make Music Day information. Um, and those are all good sources to, to be able to see how this is growing internationally. Um, but there's so much we don't know about, just people who find out about it and, and do something, you know, with their kids in their own backyard. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily show up on any... Um, media reports, but um, but that's really the spirit of it, is people making it into their own, part of their own lives. You spoke about the interesting venues uh, that Make Music Day usually uh, happens in. And of course, this year it's going to be virtual. It's, it's going to be in a, a very unusual situation. So t- tell us a bit about what are the some of the interesting, quirky performances that we might be able to expect this year? Over the years, uh, for Make Music New York, which is which is one that I was involved in in starting up, um, you know, some people have played in in parks or sidewalks outside their house, but we've also had people uh, performing on floating stages in the Central Park Lake, where uh, in order to hear the performance, you actually had to rent a rowboat and row out to be to be closer to the music. Um, other people have strung. 800-foot-long piano wires from the top of the Manhattan Bridge down to the street for people to come by and, and play these very low notes uh, that are created. Um, we've had musicians uh, taking over the balcony of the New York Stock Exchange and, and playing outside uh, in a kind of echoing performance with another band across the street. Um, so people really see this as just an invitation not only to make whatever music they want however they want to, but also wherever they want to. 
Um, it doesn't have to be something that's confined to a specific uh, music venue or concert hall or, or kind of you know music space. It, it can be something that just takes over the whole world. Um, virtually, you know, the options are are a little are a little more limited, unfortunately. Um, so this year, you know, we'll have some of those kind of window serenade performances and, and, uh, world's smallest marching band performances in, in more unusual places. But, um, you know, personally, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit sad that everyone has to stay home and, and can't just, uh, you know, go up to the top of a cherry picker and, and play a trumpet in a, in a construction site. Or, uh, we've had performances in cemeteries that have been fantastic, uh, you know, with different themes based on who's buried, uh, exactly where. So, um, yeah, I think again, it's it's just a, a canvas for everyone's creativity in in, in that way as well. Ah, oh, outstanding! It's and again and again, it's it's just like this uh, that the power of music is you know truly magical. That you know makes makes your brain work better, helps us be happier, feel more connected with our friends, and it's fun. It's so much fun. It's great to get involved and unite the world through music. And uh, you know, I'm looking. Sp- so much forward to make music day on uh, june the 21st this year it's going to be awesome so lee talk to us a bit about how your initiatives are really engaging with the next generation of music makers in the real world what kind of things are happening well certainly things are growing and the opportunity is growing Uh, one example is how technology and and maybe this is an overused phrase but has democratized music making you most students have a, a mobile device and can make music and find apps that are free and share that, share it to Facebook, share it to Instagram, share it between you know peers, the kids that are working together on a composition. Um, but there are other things. You know, the music education is much different than it was when I was a student as a middle and high schooler in the 70s and 80s. I'll date myself, but we at the Grammy Music Education Coalition, for instance, um, work in the school district of Philadelphia where a major increase in older student participation has happened because of relevant music programming. You know, we do things um, with Harmon, for instance, with Harmon-inspired studios. Uh, one of our coalition affiliates and founding members, Little Kids Rock, which um, works on delivering modern band programming, which means you may be singing, you may have a mic, you may have a, gu- a guitar with an amp. The point is meeting students where they are with interest music that interests them. Because once you have them in the door, a great teacher can teach them anything. But that work um, in Philadelphia has has produced some bounty. We know over the past couple of years, because one of the things the Grammy Music Education Coalition does is collect music participation information and analyze it with our school districts. We know in Philadelphia, and thanks to Little Kids Rock, uh, Long Long's International Music Foundation, their Keys of Inspiration program, Uh, with Save the Music Foundation, which delivers recording studio curriculum and programs in Philly that, and this is interesting, this is uh, recently discovered, um, over the last two years, that modern programming has increased participation in music at a significant rate at middle and high school, including um, for African-American students, a year-over-year at the high school level increase of 80% participation. So it's that relevancy. And again, it could be a mariachi class in Nashville because so many students come from a Latinx background or it's music production introduce, uh, interests a lot of kids. Those things are just happening organically. And the more all of us as a community encourage um, students to like pick up music where it's at 
and to support teachers. And this is another thing that Harmon has helped us with and um, through uh, the Jam Zone with Little Kids Rock, which is online, and Harmon has had a big part in helping that make happen. The resources are out there. It's a matter of thinking about the context of young people, what they're interested in, where they're coming from in their local community, and feeding that to them. And then participation increases. But those Philadelphia numbers were just stunning to me. Yeah, a powerful, powerful way to bring the very best out of people. Again, coming back to that recent survey about the power of music that was just released recently by Harmon, eight in 10 people say they wouldn't be able to live in a world without music. And uh, I, I, for one, I'm a little bit surprised the figure is so low. <laughs> so I think uh, music has just a very special place in everyone's life. I, I've yet to meet somebody who doesn't like music. And uh, I'm so grateful for initiatives like Make Music Day to bring music to everybody and organizations like the Grammy Music Education Coalition to really help people discover their best selves and uh, get in touch with this gift from uh, whoever you believe is upstairs. There are very few things better in life than, uh, than discovering the joy of music. Thank you so much to Aaron Friedman and Lee Whitmore for taking the time to remind us all about the profound importance of music in our lives and making music. Listeners, please do join Make Music Day this year, the worldwide celebration of music, this Sunday on June the 21st. And if you're listening on demand after the event, head over to the Make Music Day website and mark the dates for 2021. We hope to see you there. Don't forget to subscribe using your favourite podcast app and please do check out our brilliant Tidal playlist put together by our guests every week with a few from myself. Join us next week when we celebrate the raw power of mega rigs in all their glory. See you next week. <laughs>